This is the Stark Truth, hosted by Robert Stark. Brought to you by StarkTruthRadio.com. Robert Stark is an American journalist and political commentator. You can listen to his podcast at www.starktruthradio.com. Stark here. I am joined here with uh, French writer uh, Roman Apremont. Uh, we're going to be discussing uh, his new book, The Promethean Right, uh, why the right is losing the battle of ideas and what a revitalization must look like. Uh, Roman, great speaking with you, and I'm also joined here with uh, Francis Nally is going to be co-hosting. Hi, guys. Hello, guys. Hello. Roman, can you give us some background about yourself? Uh, are you affiliated with the French New Right? And uh, tell us about your political journey and why you identify more with the right than the left. And uh, and do sure. you see there? Do you see any uh, convergence between the two, or uh, continued separation? First, pardon my English. It's the first time I'm speaking on a podcast like this. Um, okay, so I've always been right-wing and always felt close to Nietzsche's worldview, you know. But I've also been interested in what makes the left so victorious. I believe it comes from its monopoly on the new man. Let me explain. The modern history of the West has been a long process of moving further and further to the left because the right has been unable to propose a new anthropological horizon. Except in the fascist experiments, the right has always scorned the concepts of a new man and a new society. Therefore, the monopoly of, on the future has been handed over to the left. In a sentence, if you want it short, is the right has been losing because it is conservative and not revolutionary. I believe that only through the affirmation of a new progressivism can the right reverse the trend of leftization. It must make a Copernican revolution. Take up, if you want, take up a vessel wrongly assumed to be left-wing, which is the project of a new man, and fill this vessel, fill it with right-wing content, which is elitism, lust for struggle, and self-affirming. Actually, I don't want a return to fascism. Fascism is only one of the many possible variants of the Promethean right. But without an awakening of this political family, the West will not survive. The electoral victories, you know, of the Trump-style populists are welcome. They are welcome. But they are only cyclical and superficial reactions. They fail to wage the one battle that matters, that of the evolution of human nature. Now, you ask me if I see a convergence between the two. Actually, right and left are two eternal concepts, two opposed systems of values. The right 
can be defined as a system valuing struggle, competition, selection, hierarchy, and self-overcoming. Conversely, the left can be defined as a system valuing egalitarianism, weakness, love of enemies, and relativism. The left can be associated with a death principle and the right with a life principle. Actually, the party of death corresponds to all the social forces working for the advent of egalitarianism, relativism, and love of the enemy. And the party of life, on the other hand, corresponds to those social forces aiming to self-overcoming elitism and beauty. Now, why the death principle is so powerful in the West? Because one particular attribute of the life principle, and now I'm talking about the will to progress, which is an attribute of the life principle, if you bear with me, came to be wrongly identified with the death principle. I mean, when we hear the word progress, you know, progress, we think about the left, not about the right. But I consider that progress, the adventurous spirit, imagination, risk-taking, originality, thirst for novelty, are all right-wing attributes. Now, could transhumanism reconcile the left and the right? I don't think so. One of the first 20th century transhumanists was F. Sanjari, an Iranian. He advocated, for, he advocated that the left and right divide be replaced by an up and down divide. I consider this view to be rather naive, for shall we just go up to the left or up to the right? Should we create a transhuman who is a pacifist, an hermaphrodite, a relativist, or should we create a overman that embraces the fascist laws of our universe? Trotsky, you know, the chief of the Red Army, Trotsky was a transhumanist, but his ideal was a communist society, not a right-wing one. So, uh, with the overall like philosophical foundation behind the book, the the Faustian, the Promethean spirit of progress and overcoming uh, obstacles, uh, are you influenced uh, by Jason Giorgiani's work with the word Promethean, and uh, what are some of the other uh, intellectual or philosophical influences behind your work? Oh, my my influences are niche mainly and uh, some of the transhumanists. But the problem is uh, um, Jason Reza Giorgiani is the only transhumanist right-wing guy I know. Um, now, about the adjective Promethean. Back in 2013, I wrote an article about my theory of creating Promethean universes. It came from the observation that our universe is a series of singularities. You know, the first singularity is the Big Bang. The second, the appearance of life. The third, brain intelligence. The fourth, self-consciousness. And the fifth, and perhaps ultimate singularity, is still to come. It's the ability and the will to create new universes, subject to new physical laws, and reflecting various ideologies. I believe there will be ideological wars for the creation of right-wing or left-wing universes. Now, back to Georgiani. I only discovered Georgiani's Prometheism, you know, his book, after I wrote my second book. After I published it, 
Actually, I edited the very end of my introduction with a reference to Georgiani when I write, quote, Heidegger said that in our postmodern era, only a God can save us. This God is Prometheus. And this sentence, I believe, has been influenced by Georgiani, and I add it after I um, first wrote my book. He is a very deep thinker, and I agree on many topics. We both want a right-wing transhumanism, even, even if he's, I think, much more willing, you know, to enter the singularitarian phase. But we also have differences, and I will prefer to focus on these differences because it's more interesting. First, we don't have the same worldview. He's agnostic. He believes we have to break free from this world, created or at least manipulated by the Archons. The simulation hypothesis is interesting. I'm not too far from believing in it, but I don't believe our simulation is controlled by some superior and malevolent entities. I am an idealist. I find the worldview of Bernardo Castrop very appealing. He's a philosopher influenced by Schopenhauer. Reality is all mental, and individuals are dissociated altars within mind at large, like dissociated personalities in people suffering from dissociated identity disorders. You know, multiple personality disorders. It's a good image oh, yeah, for our yeah. universe, our reality. Yeah, you know. So therefore, we can't create consciousness by simulating it, nor can we create truly conscious AIs. Living organisms are merely the images of dissociated altars of mind at large. Therefore, creating consciousness means to create life, not simulate it. I'm, and it means actually mastering a biogenesis. My second disagreement now. We don't share, I will be a bit uh, long, but my second disagreement, we don't share the same diagnosis about the ideological factors, the ideological forces at play. I don't believe there is a breakaway civilization, even if I do believe that there is a possibility that the US deep state cooperates with the alliance. Third disagreement, I don't believe in free will like it does. For me, there is no path between randomness and determinism. We cannot fathom an entity whose thoughts and actions are neither determined nor random. Even abstractly, it's impossible to come up with a description of what free will could be. Fourth disagreement. Georgiani believes that, quote, the capability to time travel would indeed be the greatest weapon in the most terrible war of all, the change war." End quote. Conversely, I believe the most terrible struggle will be the war for the creation of universes. This is the ultimate creation and ideological war. Should we create right-wing or left-wing universes? I also believe we are living in a somewhat fascist universe. Competition, natural selection, plus evolution. And this evolutionary element entails that we are not living in a right-wing conservative universe. Yet, such fascist laws, such fascist universe, because of the amount of suffering it creates, tends to generate left-wing minds. My fifth disagreement, and I quote, the Prometheus is with 
playing to unleash hell on earth rather than to serve the archontic lord and his angels in a counterfeit heaven." End quote. Well, I think it's quite dangerous to destroy our world while fighting what may in fact be an imaginary enemy. Nietzsche was against the nihilistic invention of an afterworld. Well, stating that our world is a false and evil one is a kind of nihilism. And my last disagreement with him, even if I deeply admire the guy, quote, not a single major institution of the world as we know it will survive this revolution, Re religious revelation, arms dealing, national sovereignty, international banking, capitalist finance, private property, possessively monogamous marriage, and every form of power based on secrecy." End quote. Well, it looks like a communist revolution to me, and I'm not a communist. So, yeah. But of course, we have a lot of uh, commonalities. You talk about like why the right is uh, fighting and losing battle, uh, failure, the failure of right-wing populism and the populist strategy in general. Uh, they've been losing the war of ideas, uh, taking into account uh, like who controls institutions, of course, but uh, like there are philosophical, psychological traits of uh, fatalism, cowardice, uh, standing by the sidelines, uh, rejection of change. Uh, their only role really is to oppose the left, to slow down change, to simply be a reactionary. Uh, conformity, conformist yeah. mindset pre prevents them from thinking outside the box. Just an overall uh, anti-utopian uh, mindset, uh, too. Uh, so, so overall, why do you think that the, that the right has failed and like why right-wing populism is a losing strategy? Yeah, right. So I have always diagnosed the rise of right-wing populism as a conjectural phenomenon. You know, everyone was so happy about Trump, Bolsonaro. I said it's conjectural. We may still have some far-right parties win some elections, of course, but the tide of history will ultimately be the same, leftization. On the long term, if you analyze history on the long term, there is always leftization. True, the far-right may come up with new strategies, but they are all eventually doomed to fail unless the right becomes revolutionary in a Promethean sense, that is, utopian and transhumanist, willing to shape the future and do social engineering. Now, is the right truly ready to break free from its Christian matrix of values and adopt the Promethean mindset? Actually, I doubt it. Because, you know, their conservatism is often stronger than their will to prevail. You know, the very concept of a new man triggers an allergic reaction in them. Their fight aims to achieve nothing but the slowing down of the realization of the leftist utopians. They are only a slowing machine. Yet, at the same time, conservatives do not take these utopias very seriously. They believe that changing man is doomed to fail. The rights the right's most disabling intellectual mistake has been to assert that human nature is fixed and immutable, or at least to act as if human nature were immutable. In fact, human nature does indeed exist. And it is obviously evolving. 
Now, the uniqueness of our species is that it evolves less due to natural selection than due to cultural, educational and ideological factors. And I believe that the conservative and anti-utopian mindset of the right encourages intellectual laziness and political inaction, while our enemies are masters, truly masters at social engineering and very soon at genetic engineering. So to make it short, the, the, the right is always losing because it's conservative, anti-utopian, and the left is slowly but surely changing the very nature of man. Yeah, also uh, putting all one's energy uh, into electoral politics, so that's a losing strategy too. They're not really the, the right has failed at having any kind of institutional strategy, like smaller elite groups and building up institutions are more important than trying to win over uh, the masses. Uh, what are your thoughts on that and like the, and like your thoughts on like what are the strategy and, and what are the traits of real power? Yeah, I think you're right. Real power is not about short-term electoral strategies. It's about the one battle that truly matters. It's the anthropological um, uh, war. It's the fight for human nature. You know, um, the problem of the right is that it's the only really liberal force. I mean, in the classical sense of the term liberal, uh, which means the state should not intervene. The state should um, should pay the armed forces, but not intervene in society. And actually, you know, there is a word in French, an expression to to talk about this uh, liberal mindset. It's laissez-faire. I don't know if in English you say also this French expression laissez-faire, to, to let it go, you know, to let it go. And I would say that this laissez-faire mindset, this let it go mindset is actually laissez-faire la gauche, laissez-faire the left, let, let the left act. Because only right-wing uh, liberals, um, classical liberals, are playing by the rules of this laissez-faire policy. You advocate a progressive right, so it's important for the right to embrace uh, progress and utopian values, as opposed to simply being a reactionary and trying to slow down change. Yeah, of course. Um, the problem of the right is that it's too much past-oriented and not future-oriented. Actually, the very term future, technology, progress, is all associated to the left in the mind of the right-wing people. And uh, there is some kind of rejection of uh, technophobia, of uh, aversion toward the future, uh, because the right has integrated that, actually, unconsciously, I believe it has integrated that the future and technological change is the monopoly of the left. But why? Is it the monopoly of the left? Because the right has jettisoned, abandoned uh, the future, abandoned technology, uh, viewed it as an enemy, and therefore, very naturally, technology and the future has become the playground of the left, if you know. And also the importance of embracing uh, radical creativity 
and just looking at uh, periods in history, like, yeah, like the Renaissance, like periods of uh, such intense innovation and creativity that went beyond just antiquity and how the culture has become stagnant now. And then looking back at, like, movements like the Italian Futurist, like, well, Marinetti, like, he talked about, like, uh, destroying all the museums, uh, the antiquities of the past, and that's obviously, I mean, that's insane. I don't support that, but it, it like, the need for this kind of spirit of, like, radical creativity and radical innovation, which is lacking. Yeah, true. Uh, what is good about the Renaissance is that it is not taking the past as a model we cannot um, we cannot do better. Uh, it, it's uh, the realization that we can imitate and do better. Now, about futurism. I think that futurism uh, is a branch of the Promethean right, but a much too childish and uh, adolescent branch. As you say, you know, destroy classical uh, culture. Of course, it's, a, it's an adolescent uh, a, 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 a cry from um, a shout from a child, uh, but because it's an extreme reaction to what I see as another extreme, the conservatism of the of the right um, and actually futurism was the um, first type of fascism in italy just before fascism became more institutionalized more adult more pragmatic uh, uh, before fascism took the reins of the state and there is some good about um, futurism it tells it tells the Promethean right, don't be too serious, don't uh, be too, uh, don't go back to conservatism. Of course, it's an extreme, just like Nietzsche also may be too extreme, too individualist. But it's kind of a refreshing mindset, and we need it. Yeah, like with the concept of, of the new man, like... The need for a new elite and looking at like the current elite and how elite replacement theory like counter elites is a smarter a much smarter strategy than populism but uh thinking like thinking in terms of more as like a to start off with as a diaspora rather than before just reforming like the current current society but learning from examples like examples of like freemasons from the past and uh learning from examples of successful like diasporas or kind of counter elites and what do you see like what do you see as like qualities to select for in this uh, new elite the practicality of uh, the practicality of selecting them or to or for them to sort of rise up as an alternative and then uh, is there is it important to uh, create uh, counter institutions yeah, the problem with the counter institution is that we can cut ourselves from our own uh, country, our own civilization. Uh, ideally, we should take the reins of the state and the, the, the institution we have to conquer is education. And the problem is that very smart right-wing people don't want to become teachers. They prefer to play uh, uh, in companies, in big tech, you know. They outright dismiss anyone who's in a creative field rather than pursuing it for themselves. 
Yeah, they are too individualist and they say, okay, it's a feminine job. I don't want to teach kids. But if you see yourself as part of a very long living organism that is your civilization, you have to, 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 to look for these educational jobs. I don't think we will uh, select uh, uh, very, uh, me, uh, really select a new elite. Actually, we should just uh, give the impetus to to future right-wing elites the the will the um, the willingness to to become teachers and to become artists and to create cultural works and to tell them that the best way to express your will to power is through art and also through education and not through uh, accumulating material uh, things and uh, accumulate money uh, money is just a means to uh, to influence society uh, which is the the very definition of power for me is to shape the future and to shape the moral to shape the ideology uh yeah you know so my concern is that communism or the left likes to focus on economic classes rather than racial and often they will criticize that fascism is capitalism in decay. How would a Promethean right struggle against capitalism, or does it see creating an entire different economic system or abandoning it? Uh, it's a very tough question, and I don't deal with it extensively or in my book, actually. I'm not against capitalism. I think it's the best system to create value. But I also, um, for now, for now, I mean, we don't have a super AI, a supercomputer that can uh, manage society better than the law of the market. So I'm not anti-capitalist. But I also think that capitalism should be counterbalanced with a very um, parochial mindset, a civilizational mindset. For instance, I, I do favor um, a free trade area leading to one federation of um, a pan-Western federation from Russia to use the United States and Europe. And when we will become totally, uh, really transhuman, maybe we, we won't need capitalism anymore. But I don't think that what is the alternative of, of uh, capitalism? It's uh, state-centered, an economy uh, managed by the state. And we have the proof. We, we actually, we did the very, the best experiments possible. We took one people, the same people, the Germans and the Koreans, we split them in two and we, we, we cooked it. We cooked them during 40 years and we saw the, the GDP per capita dramatically uh, diverging. So if I, if I, if I answer your, your question, yeah. So transhumanism is a major theme in the book. The willingness to improve humans uh, through like cybernetics or augmentation, and uh, yeah, not so much immortality, but uh, prolonged youth. So more can be accomplished throughout one's life. And there's obviously moral stigmas from religion and about eugenics, but also questions about like the ethics of suppressing dep depression and issues of neurodiversity. So. Uh, yeah, what are your overall uh, what is your overall thoughts and uh, stance 
And just like thoughts on the implication, future implications of uh, transhumanism. Yeah. Uh, first, I believe that transhumanism should be implemented by the state. When our ideology will be in command, uh, we should forbid um, ad ad uh, the, the left-wing attempt to suppress the gene of aggressiveness, the gene of, uh, of the, the love of struggle, the love of self-overcoming, the love of competition. I don't think we will succeed. I think that ultimately the left will, for moral reasons, um, because of uh, their anti-racist or so-called anti-racist uh, ideology, they will try to create the perfect new Christian man, uh, pacifist, unable of any um, loyalty to his group. And uh, yeah, but ideally, I would say that if our ideology is in power, we should uh, create a, a far better right-wing man. Now, what I, I'm well aware of the risk of, of hybris, you know, uh, the singularity. I see one danger in the singularity. Uh, there are many dangers, but mainly one. Uh, we can, if we jump into this singularity and we merge with an AI super, super intelligent entity, we would have no proof that this super intelligent entity is conscious. And actually, I think it will be able to mimic, to imitate consciousness, but it won't be conscious. And I think that by merging with it, we may become super intelligent, but lose our consciousness. And, and we won't even be able to reverse this trend and to be aware of this, uh, this very important uh, loss, which is uh, consciousness. Yeah. So there's this problem of, uh, in society of uh, dysgenics and even positive breakthroughs in modern medicine played a role. Like, when, like the example of like the correlation between IQ and uh, number of children, and there really hasn't been like a lot, there has been like a lack of palatable solutions, uh, even with some of the natalist policies or like the concept of positive eugenics. But uh, would hypothetically like the example of raising everyone's IQ uh, be an egalitarian case or, or in a world where every, let's say everyone was uh, smart, attractive, psychologically healthy, uh, would you do away with like the the cutthroat competition of capitalism? Oh, okay, okay, very interesting question. Uh, I don't think that the right should favor inequality. No, the right favors competition. It does not favor inequality. Uh, it favors competition and like in the game Monopoly, for instance, at the end, there is a hierarchy, but it's not like, wow, we have achieved inequality. It's great. It was our objective. No, our objective is self-overcoming. It's to let everyone fulfill its own potential without leveling everyone to the same level, you know, uh, like a me me mediocrity. Uh, I don't know if there is this world. Um, so if we if we rise the average level of IQ, great, there will be, there will still be competition, there will still be hierarchy, there will still be inequalities because nobody will be a clone. Now, if you want a real 
equalitarian society, a left-wing society, the ideal left-wing society will be cloning everyone and we will have the exact same amount of IQ, motivation, creativity, beauty. Now you will have equality. Oh yeah, so it doesn't really matter like if the uh, let's say the IQ is high or low, like their value is your you're saying their value of the left is purely equality regardless. Yeah, the left his objective is equality. It's not uh self overcoming. Uh, it's not productivity, it's not more, it's uh, more equal, you know? And the right, it's the reverse. Uh, it's to improve the results, not uh, not to to have the, all the actors, all the agents uh, on the same, at the same level, you know? Yeah. Uh, inequality has gotten much worse uh, in the United States, especially in the West in general. Uh, do, you, do you blame the left more or do you blame capitalism more or is it some kind of like is it kind of fusion of the two okay uh, I love capitalism but I would try to be very honest um, I think that the the, the ultimate uh, the, the ultimate um, you know if you play Monopoly at the end there will be only one very rich and all the other will be very poor. We know that this scenario uh, is not and has never happened. Uh, but also one of the reasons why it has not happened, well, first because uh, absolute poverty has disappeared and thanks to capitalism, but, uh, but also because there was a threat of revolution. Uh, and this threat of communist revolution led the capitalist to accept uh, higher taxes and more redistribution. I think, uh, as an evil capitalist, I think that, yeah, we are at a time where perhaps the level of inequality is too high and we should start to slightly redistribute uh, a portion of the wealth, of course, yeah. You said um, earlier about how the Promethean right is trying to divorce away from Christian values. Would that mean that the Promethean right would embrace something of pagan values, or was this more kind of a scientific, as you said before, transhumanism? And how did those two uh, fight one another? What if there was two arguments between the transhumanist and the pagan? Yeah, so when you say monotheism, it's very large. There is Islam, there is Judaism, and there is Christianity. These are three very different set of values. And when we say pagans, there are also various set of values among the pagans. I mean, between the Chambouli, uh, very uh, so-called pacifist tribe, uh, there are pagans, there are animists, uh, and the Romans and the Greeks. It's very diverse. So, one of the um, pillars, one of the pillars of the West is Greek. I mean, it's Greek uh, philosophy, Greek myths, and I think it's this pillar that we should value and 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 trying to 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 decrease the the influence of the other pillar, uh, Christianity. Yeah. 
I mean, we have everything we need in the Christian, in the Greek uh, mindset, in the in Greek philosophy, in Greek mythes. I think that Promethean is a much more inspiring figure uh, for the West than this uh, this Christ. Uh, of course, I think that the the real Christ was not as um, as loving um, the meek and uh, loving weakness and uh, loving enemies as uh, Saint Paul wanted him to be. Uh, but it's kind of a sickly, I don't like to say feminine religion, but you know, weak, weakening religion. So with uh, cosmology, uh, you have you call for an uh, advocate for a right rightist cosmology. So cosmology is the study of the universe, but can you explain uh, how the study of the universe, cosmology, uh, relates to uh, other issues like science, uh, politics, philosophy. Can you explain the concept in more detail? Yeah, I think that, you know, there is a theory in science uh, among some physicists that we may be able to, to create some universe in a laboratory. It's called um, cosmic artificial selection. It's derived from the theory of uh, Lee Smolin, cosmic Net natural selection. Uh, so creating a universe in a literal sense, or is it? Are you talking about like a like a si like a simulation? I don't know a real universe. Yeah, actually, it's only a theory, of course, but it's not a philosophical theory. Uh, it's a scientific theory, and uh, I believe that the ultimate uh, uh, the ultimate work of art will be the creation of new universes. And now. I'm telling myself, okay, if we have the ability to create a transhuman, of course there will be an ideological war to shape it along right-wing or left-wing uh, uh, temperaments. But if we come to create, to have the ability to create new universes, there will be a much more dramatic ideological war to say, should we create a universe like, like ours with competition, with natural selection? with suffering and uh, actually, to make it short, a fascist universe? Or should we correct to uh, fix the laws of our universe and by creating new universes with left-wing laws? And uh, by left-wing laws, I will mean laws uh, forbidding competition, uh, creating organisms that are like clones, unable to harm it one another, unable to, uh, to, to, to act in a detrimental way to one another, you know? And I, there is also a theory that the laws in our own universe may evolve. And in some part of our, our universe, the laws may change. So across space and across time. And now it's my theory, but I would say maybe one day we will be able to change the laws of our universe. And now you will have an even more dramatic uh, ideological war because it's, it won't be a war to change the laws uh, of our state, of our nation. It will be a war, a cosmic ideological war, you know. I was thinking about this dialogue and it makes me think that if the right were to be, as you were say, Promethean and to the stars, would the left also have its own transhumanist kind of negative nihilism kind of left-wing, 
or do you see this kind of where the fusion of the Promethean right becomes left, and yes, this dichotomy slowly crashes, or does the the dichotomy between left and right merge to this one Promethean state? Okay, uh, so if I understand you right, I would say that you have the, um, the point of view of F. Sandiari saying that the left and right, stop me if I, if I understood badly, but uh, F. Sandiari says that uh, transhumanism will make the divide, the left and right divide obsolete. And he's understanding himself as an upward and not as a leftist or rightist. But as I said before, I believe that you can go up to the left or up to the right. And Trotsky was a transhumanist, but he was also an egalitarian. So uh, there are many ways to change uh, our genes. And uh, there, there are left-wing way and right-wing way. So no, transhumanism won't be a mean to to reconcile the left and the right because nothing will ever reconcile two very opposed uh, dramatically opposed uh, worldviews and set of values one is um, competition the other is equality one is uh, expansion you know uh, parochialism and the other is love of enemies so yeah you have a chapter on uh Archaeofuturism, uh, Guillaume Fay's vision of the future, like the role of technology, ancient, uh, the ancient fused with futurism, and uh, yeah, kind of an apocalyptic, apocalyptic vision as well. But uh, Fay generally has a kind of zero-sum mindset as far as outgroup competitions and conflicts goes, uh, and like the the post-scarcity uh, view uh, versus the like the futurists who have a post-scarcity view uh, versus the right's more Malthusian uh, zero-sum mindset. You, yeah, in the chapter you talk about like population decline, but it's a bit of a stretch to say like Europe is on the brink of extinction because uh, societies uh, are always self-regulating organisms. But uh, what is your overall critique of uh, Guillaume Fay? Uh, Guillaume Fay. Okay, um, okay, I will try to answer. Um, Malthusianism has always been wrong. It does not mean that it will always be wrong. I think that there will be a point where we cannot sustain ourselves on Earth if we keep growing, but the world population will stop growing. Now, the real problem is not um, uh, demography, uh, it's great replacement. Is that immigration, non-European immigration, is replacing our population in the West? Now, I don't see Europeans without immigration. I mean, huh? and Japanese without immigration. I don't see them as threatened by dis disappearance. Of course, because uh, the society will feel that if it continues to shrink, it will disappear. So, of course, and we can see it in many countries like Japan. Uh, Actually, uh, it has been five years that the demography is slightly increasing. In Russia, it's, in Russia, in the, it's the same. In Eastern Europe, it's the same. So, yeah, it's not the real danger. And now, uh, of course, we will colonize at some point um, 
the galaxy. So, uh, and it, yeah, it's, it's the real problem on Earth is um, ecology. Of course, we are destroying nature at a, at a very fast rate. Not Europe, not America, but the emerging countries that have only one uh, objective, which is economic and military power. And first of all, China, of course. What are your thoughts on the political, the French political situation? Uh, Generation Identity was recently uh, banned. Uh, just overall thoughts on that. Uh, Macron's uh, kind of assimilationist policies, uh, pulling on support for uh, immigration restriction. Uh, if you want to comment on the yellow vests and uh, the Front National and uh, the upcoming presidential election. Okay, I'm a bit cut from Im immediate uh, politics, <laughs> okay, but uh, of course I can answer. So first, uh, the National Front, it will never win. Why? Because it doesn't does not depend on its strategy. It will never win because uh, since the First World War, the French people does not like war anymore and he's very fearful of um, civil war or I mean an internecine fight uh, uh, okay with uh, especially the radical Muslim population it's very afraid of that so he will never the French people will never vote uh, elect um, Marine Le Pen uh, the only scenario where she can win if, is if at the second turn of the election there is the extreme left, the far left, and the far right. You know, Mélenchon and Marine Le Pen. And now maybe there is a 40% chance of her um, winning, but I don't believe in it. So, now for the yellow vests, there, there has been uh, two, 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 uh, two timing, you know. Uh, the first yellow vests were kind of right wing. They wanted less tax. and. A, a significant portion of them were also anti-immigration. But the right has been very bad at handling this movement and it has been taken over by the left. So the second yellow vest were much more anti-capitalist and not only anti-taxation, you know. And they did not talk anymore about anti-immigration stance, you know. Um, now, I don't... I don't remember your third question. It was about Macron and immigration. Yeah, Macron and uh, kind of like a some more assimilationist type policies, and then also the banning of generation identity. Okay, so assimilation. Uh, assimilation has been the tradition of France for a long time, and of course, we used to um, to take uh, the Canadian and American in the uh, English way, which is multiculturalism. So when Macron is talking about assimilation, it's just a discourse, just just to prepare the new election. Of course, uh, he won't take any real measure to assimilate the new people. You know, uh, before 1993, French people, uh, newborn, could not have a non-French name. All had to, to get a French name. So this was a very concrete um, measure, assimilationist measure. So when you talk about assimilation, okay, just words, it's nothing. And Macron has been, has said uh, a very lefty, leftist and multiculturalist things such as there is no French culture, you know, 
And he also said some right-wing things just to be elected. Now, the banning of Génération Identitaire, yeah, it's just the same uh, movement. After the defeat of Trump, there has been an, an onslaught uh, against the right. And he just said, okay, the time is right to ban this anomaly, this uh, chronological anomaly. How can we have a group in our own soil um, preaching white identity? Uh, and of course, I, I was asking myself all these years, uh, how can it survive? And the only reason why Generation Identitaire have survived this long is because the left and the liberals, uh, like Macron, uh, need fascism, or so-called fascism, because of course Generation Identitaire is not fascist, it's just identitarian, uh, identitarian conservative. Uh, they are needed. And I said, I, I'm asking myself, all this onslaught against books on Amazons, it's starting, uh, but at some point they will stop censoring them because they need the fascist figure, you know. Roman, uh, we're close to the end of the show. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to add about any of these topics? And uh, do you want to also do you want to plug your book, like where where the audience can find it, and any other projects that you have? Yeah, sure. So my book uh, in French is on Amazon, and my book in English is also on Amazon. So uh, it's not very expensive. It's like uh, eleven dollars, I would say, and nine nine euros. I'm I'm gaining only like three dollars per book, so it's it's cheap. Um, and no, I, I think we covered a lot of topics. It has been a very very interesting interview, uh, very interesting questions and exchange, and uh, I'm so grateful, guys. Roman, it's been a great show. Uh, thanks for being on, and also thanks, uh, Francis Nally. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.